Hi, I'm your host, Kimberly Thomas-Tigg, and you're listening to Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. Whether you're a patient, advocate, caregiver, or a clinician, Signalize is your source for good news, personal stories, events, and the things that rare and associated communities care about. Follow Signalize and Dazzle for Rare at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, R-A-R-E, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we'll post episode links, updates, and more. Welcome to episode 21. Whether this is your first or your 21st episode, thanks for taking the time. It means a lot to me and the folks whose news, events, and guest appearances are featured in the podcast. If you'd like to share something with us, check the show notes for details on how to make contact. Now, on with your TLDR, rare and relevant. First up, we have Huntington's disease, acute disseminated encephalomyelitis, or ADEM, ALS awareness, cystic fibrosis, Ehlers-Danlos, and hypermobility syndromes, respectively, each thiosis awareness month, myositis, Prader-Willi syndrome, progressive supranuclear palsy, or PSP, and P10 hamartoma tumor syndrome awareness month, also associated with Cowden's disease. It's all happening from the 1st to the 30th of this month. Speaking of P10 Awareness Month, back in November of 2022, I spoke with Cowden Syndrome patient advocate and men's mental health advocate David Ross, where he shared a little bit about the association between these conditions. P10 hamartoma tumor syndrome is something Cowden syndrome comes under the umbrella of people, carries an increased risk of getting certain cancers, autism and developmental delays, uh, also some of the other things that are associated with my rare disease. Whilst you're given the um, diagnosis of Cowden syndrome, it does fit under this umbrella, P10 hamartoma tumor syndrome. The reason why it's called P10 is because of the P10 gene, which is linked to the cell overgrowths, which uh, cause the, for example, the increased risk of getting certain cancers. If you'd like to hear more from David in that episode, the link will be in the show notes. Still in May, we have the 15th, which marks International Mucopolysaccharidosis, I hope I said that right, Awareness Day, and Tuberous Sclerosis Complex, known as TSC, and the Global Awareness Day is also on the 15th. Don't forget CDG Awareness Day on the 16th, and it is dedicated to raising awareness for a family of rare metabolic diseases that are often overlooked by medical and scientific communities. If that's not enough, in May we also have World Neurofibromatosis Awareness Day on the 17th. This date is dedicated to raising awareness for this condition, which causes tumors to grow on the nerves throughout the body. On the 19th of May, we have hashtag red, R-E-D, the number four, V-E-D-S, red for VEDS. This is a social media campaign where people are encouraged to wear red and share photos on social media to raise awareness for vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. VEDS carries with it a shortened lifespan, which most folks really surpass their 40th birthdays. If you have a family history of aortic dissection, tears, or eruptions of the organs, please see your GP. Now, to round out awareness days, we have one in Wisconsin, USA, so mark your calendars for Rare Disease State Advocacy Day on the 17th of May from 3.30 p.m. to midnight. This event is organized by Everyday Life Foundation. This is for Wisconsin residents who are impacted by rare diseases to come together, meet with state legislators, and share their stories to help advance policy priorities for the rare disease community. 
And speaking of calendars, if you didn't know, we have two Dazzle for Our calendars. Both are public and are accessible to you anytime, anywhere, on the go. The first calendar we have is our community events calendar, which is maintained by myself and our Dazzle for Rare network. If you would like to add your webinar, your podcast, or your other reoccurring event or one-time events, we also have an awareness days calendar, and it also has a couple other days for fun thrown in there. And you can add to that calendar as well if your awareness day is not already there. For more details, you can look in the show notes or reach out to me. And now for something completely different. What about PS? Well, What About P.S. is a podcast. Did you know that friend of this podcast, Signalize, and our first Signalize guest, Sam Fillingham, has started a Poland Syndrome podcast with host Giselle Barbosa. Sam Fillingham, I'm CEO of PIP UK, the Poland Syndrome Support and Network Charity. So we're a charity that supports families affected by a rare limb difference, a congenital anomaly called Poland Syndrome. The main symptoms are a missing and underdeveloped chest muscles, chest bones, general underdevelopment in the chest area, and also underdevelopment in the hands and fingers are the main symptoms. If you didn't know, then you know now. The podcast is again called What About PS and will be hosted primarily by Giselle. She's a PIP UK ambassador, an entrepreneur, and an athlete. According to the press release, the podcast aims to shine a light on Poland syndrome, a rare disease, and the lived experience of the Poland syndrome community. Each episode, Giselle will explore inclusive and varied experiences of people living with Poland syndrome with a variety of guests from Paralympian Kim Daybell, former cricketer Lewis Hatchett, Australian gymnast Clay Mason, Stevens to medical professionals, bra companies, and the most amazing members of our community with engaging interviews, thought-provoking discussions, and the inclusive experience of the Poland Syndrome community. The What About PS podcast promises to be a must-listen for anyone curious about Poland Syndrome, including the Poland Syndrome community, their friends, family, medical professionals, and the rare disease community. One last thing quickly here in Poland Syndrome news, a little boy here in the UK named Charlie hosted a fun run for Poland Syndrome. He's a big fan of Pip UK and the amazing things that they do for kids like him. He raised over 844 pounds, which is roughly 1,560 US dollars, or 87,392 Indian rupees for Poland Syndrome Support UK. He reached 168% of his goal. Well done, Charlie, and also well done to the 32 folks who donated to his fun run for Poland Syndrome Support UK. We'll leave a link in the show notes. And now for a bit of news. All links will be in the show notes, so make sure to subscribe to podcast on your podcasting app of choice or subscribe to our YouTube podcast. You can find us by searching Dazzle for Rare on any of these platforms. Sanford Research hosts the 13th annual Cords Great Plains Rare Disease Summit. From the 24th of April press release, Sanford Research will host the Sanford Cords 13th annual Great Plains Rare Disease Summit May 11th to 12th in Sioux Falls. This year's event theme is Rare Neurodevelopmental Disorders. The annual summit on rare diseases aims to bring together researchers and those affected by rare diseases to collaborate and educate people on advancements in the field of pediatric neurodevelopmental disorders. The event kicks off with opening remarks by Ashish Gupta, followed by presentations from rare disease advocates Amber Freed and Allison Bones. Thursday's sessions are open to families, patients, and those in the community impacted by rare disease. And Allison, if you're listening, shout out to you. 
On the topic of cords and Sanford research, Sanford Health is a nonprofit healthcare provider in the United States. They have created a rare disease registry to gather data on rare conditions. The registry aims to improve the understanding of rare diseases and accelerate research and treatment development. The registry is open to anyone in the United States with a rare condition, and it is free to participate. Participants can opt to share their medical history, symptoms, and genetic information to help researchers get a better understanding of their condition. The registry also includes a biobank where participants can donate samples for further research. So far, the registry has enrolled over 2,000 participants and is actively seeking more. This is pretty exciting stuff, especially the biobanking part. If you're not sure and you're asking yourself, what is a biobank? Let me just give you a quick explanation. A biobank in rare diseases is a repository that stores biological samples such as blood, tissue, urine, or saliva and associated data from individuals with rare diseases, such as their medical records or a copy of their diagnosis or other relevant data. The purpose of a biobank is to provide a resource for researchers to study the underlying causes of rare diseases, develop new diagnostic tools and treatments, and ultimately improve patient outcomes. Biobanks typically collect samples from individuals with rare diseases and their families as well, as well as healthy individuals for comparison. The samples are carefully stored and labeled, and the associated data, such as medical histories, genetic information, and demographics, are recorded in a database. Biobanks are critical for advancing rare disease research because they provide researchers with access to a large number of rare disease samples, which would be difficult to obtain on an individual basis. They also help us to standardize sample collection and data recording, which makes it easier to compare data from different studies and identify commonalities and differences between rare diseases. We'll drop a link in the show notes. A new study discovers over 800 genes causing 60 rare genetic disorders in over 5,500 individuals, highlighting the need for increased research participation for underrepresented groups. The study is called Deciphering Developmental Disorders, and it looked at 5,500 people in the UK and Ireland. They found that over 800 genes were involved in causing about 60 conditions, with three quarters caused by spontaneous mutations. This research can be helpful to doctors to make faster and more accurate diagnoses for people with these conditions. The study also found that families of non-European ancestry had lower chances of getting a correct diagnosis, spotlighting the need for increased research participation from underrepresented groups. By encouraging participation from people of diverse ethnicities and economic backgrounds in research, scientists can gain a better understanding of how these factors are related or may interplay, and this will hopefully lead to better diagnostic and treatment options. This underscores the importance of events like ADIRA, the Equality and Diversity in Research Association. Check out episode 15 for more information on ADIRA. This next piece of news is kind of bonkers, but I'm expecting there's probably a good reason for this. AstraZeneca drops an $855 million drug. AstraZeneca, a drug company, obviously, has abandoned a rare disease drug candidate worth $855 million US dollars after phase two trials failed. The drug was originally successful in a larger phase three trial, but the company found out that it didn't work as well as they had thought. The drug was meant to eliminate copper from the body in patients with Wilson's disease, but the phase two trials didn't show that it did that. The company decided it would take too long to develop the drug further and has decided to stop investing in it. Upcoming conferences, yay. I know a lot of folks listening probably do attend conferences, whether they attend them in person or online. 
If this isn't you, don't worry, it's a quick segment. All-around likable guy Daniel DeFabio will be at the BioBoston conference screening five of your rare disease films at the conference. Follow Daniel on Instagram at instagram.com slash disorder rare disease films. Incidentally, BioBoston is also on the Dazzle for Rare community calendar that we mentioned earlier. If you're not already subscribed to the calendar, please do so now. Get in touch. Adding your community events of interest can only benefit you. So what are you waiting for? Visit dazzleforrare.net which at the time of recording is down for maintenance, but should be up soon. If not, reach out to me. Info is still in the show note. Next up, we have Can Gene Therapy Help Children Walk? So if you are not familiar with the condition Duchenne muscular dystrophy or DMD, it's a genetic disorder that leads to muscle degeneration, resulting in young patients like the child in this story needing to use a wheelchair full-time by about the age of 10. However, in this case, with gene therapy from Pfizer, which is hopefully due to be approved either this month or next, the FDA, or Food and Drug Administration, is going to be releasing this drug, and the future looks bright for children like this little boy. The first patient, Connor Curran, underwent the treatment five years ago. This treatment triggers cells to produce dystrophin protein, which is essential to muscle function, and has since been able to help Connor retain his mobility. The gene therapy doesn't provide a cure, but it does provide a meaningful benefit for up to five years, giving boys the opportunity for a better life. Now, I say boys because according to Cedar sinai Hospital, DMD generally affects boys because of the dystrophin gene, which is on the X chromosome. Duchenne affects 12,000 to 15,000 children in the U.S. and 300,000 worldwide. It's usually genetic in nature, passing down from a mother to a son as the gene sits on the X chromosome, as we've just said. The disease is caused by a mutation in the dystrophin gene, which leads to the inability to produce essential proteins needed for muscle function. Without the dystrophin, muscles cannot repair themselves, leading to the accumulation of damage over time. At time of recording, four companies are currently developing gene therapies for Duchenne's. The company Sarepta Therapeutics has a drug called SRP-9001, and it will be the first to be considered by the FDA on the 12th of May, so in just a few days. Although gene therapy is exciting, long-term prognosis remains uncertain. Each disease requires a distinctive gene therapy, and each company has their own approach and their own timelines. Where there is still more work to do, significant improvements have been made, with 50 treatments currently in the drug development pipeline, and that makes for a promising future, hopefully, for children affected by Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Last news item we have is SolveRD. The H2020 funded flagship EU project SolveRD is making strides toward solving rare disease mysteries where a molecular cause is not yet known. They've achieved a successful seed funding grant project where they've used zebrafish to confirm AMFR, AMFR as a cause for hereditary spastic paraplegia. You can find more about this on their website. The groundbreaking project brings all of us one step closer to finding the answers needed in rare diseases. Learn more about SolveRD and their ongoing efforts at their website, which is solve, S-O-L-V-E hyphen, R-D dot E-U. 
And that's all she wrote, folks, for this TLDR Rare and Relevant. And now for a bit of Dazzle for Rare housekeeping. The Dazzle for Rare website has been down for a few weeks. In all honesty, I was frustrated at not finding any WordPress templates that I liked and decided to go back to creating something more custom. Because WordPress has changed a lot since I did any custom alterations or any website, I'm in the process of getting the D4R 2023 registration back up on the page. By the time you hear this episode, the page may be back up without the registration function temporarily while I add the support for the registration process back into the website. This is usually fairly easy stuff to do and warning excuses ahead, but with Easter and the bank holidays and the teacher's strike and the inset days and the King's coronation, amongst some other personal things that have happened, I haven't been able to restore the functionality just yet. I do believe the new version of the site at least aesthetically, will be much nicer. I'm also working on cleaning up the content and trying to distill what Dazzle for Rare is about. On that note, if you are still unsure what Dazzle for Rare actually is, I've been asking folks to help me out <laughs> in terms of explaining um, what the impact of reaching the social networks of others is. We all know that content creators often say, share my posts, it really helps me out. But how does it help people out? So basically, rare and associated organizations team up with one another to get their message out to more people. We do this by exchanging messages. I usually say Twitter-friendly message because Twitter has been our biggest platform, but who knows what it'll be this year. By working together, all of us can reach a larger audience and get more attention to our specific causes or our communities. If there is a downside to sharing uh, posts with each other and in good faith sharing, you know, theirs with your audience and vice versa. Then someone pointed out to me, <laughs> we keep the event uh, to one week so that folks in our community and your community aren't fatigued by hearing or seeing messages from others. But it's a great way to help folks in your community by educating them on something they may not know anything about or that may impact them in some way. And, you know, I've heard from people over the years that that has exactly been the case or that they didn't think that there was much understanding of their condition outside of their Facebook community. And then when they've seen people sharing about it on during Dazzle Ferrer, they've just been gobsmacked, (laughs) which is great. I love receiving those types of messages. So when you reach people through someone's social network, it's called social media amplification. I like to call it signal boosting. That's why this is called signalized. It's like when you tell a friend something cool that you saw on social media and they share it with their friends and so on and so forth. Sometimes it picks up steam and becomes viral and sometimes it doesn't. By getting other organizations and influencers, quote unquote, to share your content, rare disease organizations and associated organizations can amplify these messages and reach a wider audience. I think that's also why it's really important to put some care into crafting your message, because if you only have a few words to get across what you're doing to a complete stranger, you better make it count. (laughs) That's what I say. So this idea can help build a community of supporters and advocates who care about rare disease in general and who actually want to share your messages and help others by allowing you to reach their audience and vice versa. You guys have all heard me say that we need to stop preaching to the choir. If you're not familiar with that turn of phrase, preaching to the choir means speaking to an audience that already agrees with you or is already aware of the issue. In this case, with rare disease organizations or associated communities working together on social media, the goal is to reach new audiences beyond the folks who are already following them. 
So rather than just speaking to the folks who are already aware of the issue or the issues in your community, you're reaching new people who may not be aware. By leveraging the social media networks of others, rare disease and associated organizations can reach new people, build larger communities of supporters who may not have been aware before. And this can help raise awareness for rare diseases, can increase the number of people who are actively engaged in advocating for improved care and help support individuals and families. It's, it's a novel concept. Now, there are some historical examples of movements or causes that utilized social networks to amplify their message and build a larger community of supporters because Tom from MySpace did not invent social networks. <laughs> they existed before MySpace. So one example is the civil rights movement during the 1960s. Civil rights activists use a variety of tactics to spread their message and build support for their cause, including organizing rallies and protests, speaking at public events, and working with media outlets to get coverage. <laughs> they also uh, leverage social media networks in person, building grassroots supports for their cause. By working with local communities, churches, and other organizations, the civil rights activists were able to build a network of supporters who could help spread the message and mobilize others to take action. Another example is the AIDS activism movement during the 80s and 90s. Activists in the movement used a variety of tactics to raise awareness of the AIDS epidemic and advocate for improved care and support for people living with HIV AIDS. They also utilized social networks in person to connect others who were affected by the disease. There were a lot of ways to share these stories and these messages. Um, it happened in magazines, it happened in leaflets, um, people at social events talking about it, and people inviting each other to events. You know, it's a powerful thing to, you know, recruit the people in your life to help. So by sharing these stories, by organizing events, by working with media outlets to get coverage, activists for the, or the HIV AIDS community were able to build a powerful network who were passionate about fighting for better care and support for people living with HIV AIDS. These examples demonstrate the power of social networks, not necessarily social media, but social networks to build grassroots support for a cause and amplify the message. And that's exactly what Dazzle for Rare wants to do. By leveraging the collective reach of folks and organizations, and causes, we can spread the message to a wider audience and build a community of supporters who are passionate about rare disease and associated conditions. So that's what we're doing. I hope that made sense. And I'm going to leave it to you. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. To stay up to date on the podcast and Dazzle for Rare, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, Rare, R-A-R-E. And finally, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and tag us on social media platforms.